Hello, this is Champ 180, and I'm your host, your helper and friend, Adam Childress. If you're listening and expecting a kumbaya session on what you want to hear, this may not be the show for you. We are committed to encouraging and developing champion-like individuals who desire to learn, grow, improve in the five core areas of champ. I'm real, transparent, and say what's on my mind with no fluff or puff. So listen up, because today is your day. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to the second part of Defining Character on Champ 180 with special guest Nathan Long. I hope you enjoy today's episode, so thank you for listening. So character isn't inherited. One builds it daily by way one thinks and acts thought by thought, action by action. Is it true? And can you elaborate or add on how one builds their character? I want to say that it is inherited and built. So right, the the example of my brother and I, saving came naturally to me, did to him, did not come naturally to me, Mm. right? Today, however, I buy $1 of Bitcoin every hour of every day. Interesting. It's the... And precisely because I learned the value of, in the financial world, of what we call dollar cost averaging. But in the world of character, I learned small deposits add up to the greatest benefit. Right. Right. That's good. But that did not come naturally to me, right? Like the, the value of routine is something I had to learn. The, um the heroic response to whatever was required in a moment that came naturally to me. Or here's an example. The first year that my wife and I were married, we took care of a young man who had down syndrome. I think he was 31 at the time. So it's kind of funny to say young man, but like (laughs) that's how it seemed. Uh, But so we had eaten supper, the three of us, and uh, we were all washing, at least was washing the dishes and he and I were drying. Mm-hmm. And uh, he dropped a glass and it shattered. And both Elise and I said, oh, Matt. But I said, oh, Matt, because I knew how much regret he was filled with at the moment. And I just felt so much compassion for him. Elisa said, oh, Matt, because she was so annoyed that that carelessness had just broken the dish or the the glass. The priority of the feelings of a person came naturally to me. I've been that way my whole life. Compassion? Yeah. It's a a part of my character, but I can claim no credit for it, right? It's just how I was born. Now, let me... Same first year of our marriage, our vacuum stopped working. The, uh, the cord would no longer go in. So Elisa asked me to look at it. And I spent, I don't know, three minutes trying to get it to go back in, and I couldn't. I'm like, no, oh, let's take it to Sears and get it fixed. She looked at me, like, incredulously and was like, what? <laughs> and then she spent, I don't know, 30 minutes and figured out how to fix it, and we were off and running. Bam. Right? <laughs> so naturally... The, import, the true importance of things and practical values like 
frugality was part of her character. I had to learn it. Prioritizing and the true importance of people's feelings and, and uh, that came naturally to me. She had to learn that, or at least the priority of it. Right, right. So on the one hand, I, w I think it's very true that we all have to confront the character that we inherited. because And I like the word inherited because it's a combination of uh, sort of genetics and, you know, the whole nature-nurture thing. Right. It's a combination of the genetics that we were born with and the uh, environment that shaped us when we were growing up. Either way, that's still inherited. But then will you improve your character wherever it happens to be lacking? That's the real question of what becomes what we would say is character. Well, that's a man of good character. Well, is it really, or did that come naturally to him? It's because you saw him in that one moment, or you just well, <clears throat> you just see him at work. What about home? Right. Well, and maybe he's a workaholic, and so you think this man is unbelievably man of character, right. but he's neglecting his family. Yes. Or, so for example, I'm overweight. It's not. Well, it actually it is. It's not because I have bad character that I'm overweight. Actually, it's because I have good character. So for 20 plus years, I prioritized the needs of others over my own. Thinking that was, that, that shows good character, right? Selflessness, et cetera. It didn't show wisdom. It, I was 15 years in before I realized, oh, my son is missing out on some of the interactions he and I could have had I, I used to be quite the athlete. So now the fact that he and I are not able to go do the kind of things together that we would have been had I prioritized um, routine, uh, he's missing out. He's suffering instead of me benefiting him, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Or uh, we were quite generous with our money for years and years. And then eventually it occurred to me, we should have been responsible ourselves first and then been generous. Now, of course, there's always exceptions and sometimes you have to do what you have to do. But on the, as a pattern, I should have been doing that t sort of dollar cost averaging, small, regular um, contributions. And then I could have afforded to be generous instead of my generosity negatively impacting our stability, right? So character's all mixed up in that. Some some of it good character, mm -hmm. some of it the not combining wisdom with um, good character. And yet truly having good character is a function of, of both, of combining what you inherited with what you need to learn and then producing something different that is the sum of your choices and your responses. Maybe that's how we say it. Who you are. Your character is the sum of your choices and your responses. It's interesting. See, that's a good definition too. Yeah. Um, just listening to this, it makes me feel like we need to, you know, just like you said about you put others first, but it that ended up over the years costing you as well. And them. And them. Right. Because you may not have been able to do the activities with your kids that you would want to do. It just tells me when we decide to do something, 
we need to think of now and what it's going to be like in the future. We yes, don't do that. Indeed. We think of now. Yeah. I, this is perfect for them now. And it may look good for them now, but let's just take the veil away or the curtains away and see in the future. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So, well, and in my case, remember what I said? I, I came out of the womb ready to respond to the, the with heroism in the face of need, right? Yeah. So that makes me very vulnerable to the tyranny of the urgent mm-hmm. and less able to plan ahead for the future carefully, right? Yeah. Because I'm, I'm going, oh, here's a need. I can help. Let's do it. Instead of thinking, the people I care about the most are going to have needs 30 years down the road. I better prepare now to be able to answer those. Oh, that's true. Now, so that part of character I had to learn. Right. Right? So much balancing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, I don't know how to say this exactly, but there's something very important here. That good character is this combination of what came to you naturally and filling in the gaps. That you had to produce on your own. Or, or figure out how to obtain or that other people. Trial and error. Yeah, trial and error, recognizing, wow. Or I had a buddy who became a financial advisor, wildly successful financial advisor. And I just marveled at what he did because he went to the training and they said, they just gave him facts and figures, right? Even down to like, if you make this number of calls a day for this number of years, you will experience X amount of success. And he went, okay. And he just executed it flawlessly. If I had gone to the same training, I would have said, really? Why? Could we do it better? Are you sure this is the way? <laughs> right? I would have been a horrible financial advisor because I would have wasted 10 years proving whether they were right or wrong. He just said, okay, I see this formula. I'm going to execute on it, right? Now, when certain problems in the church that we both attended popped up, he was also unwilling to confront this needs to change. Whereas I was like, whoa, this cannot be tolerated. We got to do something about it, right? You see what came naturally to me as a strength, what came naturally to me as a weakness, what came naturally to him as a strength, what came naturally to him as a weakness, right? And, and I, I think that's so essential to this whole process. Now, the environment I grew up in focused on, here's your weaknesses, fix those. But the problem with trying to f- improve your character by focusing on your weaknesses is you're attempting to function from a place of existing defeat. And so what you will do is continue to fail. So if you're failing at a particular place in your character repeatedly and you're finding yourself in this cycle, then stop wasting your effort. Because um, building character is very similar to building muscle. Mm -hmm. Actually, you probably relate to this. Have you ever been um, attempting to achieve a certain new max or something? Let's say you want to get a new max lift for bench pressing. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you hit a plateau and you cannot go any further. The answer is is not to keep bench pressing. It's to switch it up, get rid of the barbell and move to dumbbells. Or change completely and start doing pull-ups. Because it's not the primary muscle that you're using to bench press with. You've you've exhausted your available improvement 
there. You need to um, you need to strengthen the surrounding muscles. Mm. Are you familiar with what I'm yes. talking about? Yeah. So, like, young men will come to me sometimes and say, "Man, I am, I just keep looking at porn," and I'm like, "Okay, start setting your alarm five minutes earlier every day, and don't hit the snooze button." Because where you begin to experience victory, self-control, etc., is translatable. You're not going to beat it if you focus just on this fight. But if you improve your overall willpower by going someplace where you can achieve success, that will spread, if you will. That's just one thing about how to actually develop and a, make it an easier character. Yeah. yeah. It is a building muscle. You know, the temptations that come to us every day, like you're talking about uh, addictions. I actually think it's for everybody. Yes. I think all of us struggle with addiction. Right. Some it's just some of them are culturally identified that way. Yeah. And others were not willing to, I mean, gossip, gossip is an addiction. <laughs> it is. Nathan, we are now in an age where bad character is corrupting good morals across the board. What advice can you give our young listeners on how to stand up to the corruption, temptations, whether on social media, with their peers at school, or coworkers? This one is so hard because we live in a culture that is overwhelmingly conducive to the formation of bad character. And so taking steps to form good character makes you wildly out of step with your environment. Very true. And because humans are hardwired to think that what they observe around them is normative, I shouldn't say to think, to, to pre-think, to just presume to take for granted that what you've observed is normative. It's very difficult to convince a 17-year-old that texting is not a beneficial way to form a relationship. That, in fact, it won't form an accurate, enduring, healthy relationship. Yeah. Right? How, how can you convince them of that? An enormous challenge. And there's no chapter and verse that says, thou shalt not text uh, eight hours a day to thine beloved. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yeah, so this is a really, really big challenge. And I think that the answer has to do with identity, which is, which is the biggest, maybe, maybe the biggest challenge facing us in an effort to be faithful believers because at every point, our identity is being challenged. But I think that provides an opportunity. I'm struggling to put these threads together. I, I know these things are connected, but it's difficult to, like, how do you, I guess what I'm trying to say is that in an environment which is outrageously and artificially warped, mm -hmm. Attempting to help a young person align themselves with reality, which that's what truth is. Truth is reality as God perceives it. He is the only all-perceiver, the only omni-perceiver, the only um, 
being able to perceive from all angles, from all perspectives. And therefore, his observation is the norm, is the standard, is truth. But we are hardwired to preserve, to believe that what we observe around us is normal, right? Hmm. Yeah. And so in a time and place where what's around us is um, wildly out of touch with reality, I think we have to help people um, make adjustments back in the right direction. So you don't say, well, let's back up. There's two approaches to helping a a young person understand that texting will not enable them to form a healthy relationship. There needs to be live interaction and lots of context and all of the, um, not just body language and tone and all of that kind of stuff. My son was just telling me about going skiing with his girlfriend Mm -hmm. and um, he was attempting to, she's a really good snowboarder and she's not a great skier. And so he was trying to tell her how to ski and, she was getting very frustrated. Why are you yelling at me? He's like, what? Why are you telling me? Uh, anyway, and I, so we were just processing all of that. I'm like, this is what forms relationship. This is the stuff of learning who is she? Who am I? How am I going to respond to what just happened? Um, how am I going to respond to how I responded? Right. How am I going to respond to how she responded? That's, and none of that can occur. Or in very... Um, trim down fashions over text, for example. So do you raise your child without a phone and say no texting? Or do you try to provide them a way to embrace texting for utilitarian purposes? Like you say, hey, no texting after eight uh, in the evening or before nine o'clock in the morning. I'm just throwing out potential guidelines, right? Um, And use texting for purposes of making arrangements, not for conversation. Pick up the phone and have a conversation or go have coffee and meet them. I, I don't know. And I and I think some of the answer is unique to each child. You know, when, when the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go, it's not just train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, although of course it is that. But it's also pay attention. If this kid should be a mechanic, don't try to force him to be an accountant. Or vice versa, right? right? Train them up in the way that they should go. If this kid is gonna is gonna resist rules, you know, whatever the case might be, you you got to know your child. So, for example, we homeschooled most of our children's lives. Mm-hmm. The curriculum that each kid had of the four was unique. Because I looked at that kid and I said, "What do they need to be shaped by? How can I connect learning?" with what naturally interests them and then draw connections from there to what they need, but doesn't interest them. Um, so that true. doesn't give us a lot of specifics, but it helped, at least for me, it helps us point. Here's another example. My dad um, had us grow up in a home without any TV, which was enormously beneficial. I mean, I, I read voraciously. Yeah. Uh, that's all I did. I either um, read or played outside or worked. That's how I grew up, which was very a wonderful way to grow up. A good way to build character, too. Yeah. <laughs> but the negative impact of not having a TV is that when I did get to see it, it was all-consuming. It's true. Yeah. Whatever's new is... And different. And, 
I, I remember going over to a buddy's house to spend the night and his dad was playing uh, the movie Short Circuit. Remember the whole number five alive? Yep. Uh, so we were sitting there in the living room watching and all of a sudden his dad was yelling at me. Nate! And I was like, what, what, why are you? He goes, I've said your name five times and you haven't, <laughs> right? I mean, I was just glued to this movie because we just didn't even have a TV, right? So I didn't like that, um, how powerful the allure of TV was for me as a result of not having had one at all. So we intentionally had a TV in our home, but then limited very carefully what was consumed. I don't know if I struck the right balance or not, but it was an attempt to say, same thing. Uh, one of my earliest memory of my dad, I was two years old and he took me swimming in a hotel pool. I think he did it because it was just he and I. We, my mom sat on the edge, I remember, and my, my dad took me swimming. And it was just the three of us in the pool. And then the entire rest of my life, he would never swim because he didn't like mixed swimming. He let us take swim lessons and he let us do some of it, but it was clear that he wasn't happy about it. Be between the you know just highly sheltered environment that I grew up in uh, and that extra sheltering, when I did see a woman in a swimsuit, it was like TV. It was the most um, attention-gathering thing in the world. That, right? I mean, I was just zeroed in on yeah. it. So I looked around the world that my son was going to grow up in, and I'm like, I think we need to have some exposure to this. Otherwise, going to the mall and walking past Victoria's Secret is going to be a major event for him. I don't want it to be a major event. I want him to see me walk past it and not pay attention, not focus, but also not make a big deal about it. So you want to allow them to build a, to that stuff. There's a word that I'm thinking, build a. Immunity maybe, or yeah. not, that's not quite right, but. A tolerance. Yes. Build yes. a tolerance for that. Cause you didn't have a tolerance for TVs. When... Correct. I didn't, you know, one thing I've noticed about God in terms of how he deals with us. On the one hand, he lays out the ideal. His ideal, for example, in terms of his people, was, hey, I'm giving every single family an inheritance, which is so instructive that what he gave them was land. The inheritance was not food or money. It was the opportunity to be able to produce food via labor. Uh, that's a whole other topic, but except that that's character building, right? Yeah. Give your kids money as an inheritance. That's not the same thing as teaching them how to cope with money. So that does relate to character. Or like you said, get land. If I gave them land, they have they have the opportunity to sell it or produce on it to get more, you right. know, uh, real estate stuff or, you know, a development. Yeah, so many opportunities, yeah. all the different ways you could go with it. So on the one hand, God says, here's my ideal. Every family able to provide for yourselves. But then he says, by the way, if someone mismanages their affairs, and has to sell themselves as a servant to their neighbor, here's how you treat them when they're a servant. This is not the ideal. Every man should be able to responsibly manage his affairs. But this is going to happen. Jesus said the poor will always be with you, for example. So here's how you kindly, responsibly, lovingly cope with that reality. Right. So I've tried to imitate that. I'm like, here's the ideal. The ideal is a pure world. We don't live in that world. 
So how should I train my son as a result? That's good. Well, the, the challenge is it doesn't give you any precise prescription. Yeah. But every scenario is a little bit different. So I, I think a principle or a, you know, a trajectory is more valuable than thou shalt have a TV or thou shalt not have a TV or, you know what I mean? I think that's with anything. You don't want to, what's that, gluttony? Right, right. You know, you don't want to overdo something. You can end up, you didn't say not to have stuff or, you know, it just be mindful. That's where character comes in. I love the example of gluttony because it's so helpful. If you, if you think about a glutton as someone that cannot stop consuming too much food, mm -hmm. the problem is they cannot take an approach of abstinence. True. You have to eat to live. Right. So the solution for a glutton is not the same solution that we at least offer to alcoholics, right? Or that we try to offer to people struggling with a sexual addiction. Hey, you need filters in place. You need to not have Wi-Fi. And I, I don't think that's, that might be a short-term um, response, but the real solution is you need to form character that prioritizes purity over satiation or over, over satisfaction. So the question is how do you, maybe you need to put in place extreme restrictions temporarily, but you don't want to uh, re assign someone and it's not practical in the case of, I mean, if you're going to have kids, you have to be able to have sex, right? Um, if you're going to live, you need to be able to eat. So that's another reason why I think we need to think about all of us as having addictions. Because the answer to how to get over an addiction has to do with building character, not with placing restrictions on your life. Rewiring our mind. Indeed. Indeed. To fight against those temptations. Which comes back to this whole balance between what I've, I've talked about before, that your instinctive response, which indicates good character, and how do you prepare to have the instinctively right in response. Dallas Willard used to say, um, if you wait to ask what would Jesus do, it's already too late. You should live how Jesus lived so that when whatever happens, your response is instinctively what Jesus would have done because your, res your, your response is formed by what you have done over the last 365 days. Right. Right. Now, that was that was a lesson I had to learn. It didn't come naturally. Instead of uh, saying, what would Jesus do? Just say, be like Jesus. <laughs> or, or, or what did Jesus do? Yeah. Not just in this moment, but um, while it was still dark, Jesus went off to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Oh, so that's a pattern that should be in my life. Yeah, because he was tempted so that when the temptation happens, you respond in the same way he would have. Yeah. I believe if you if you lack confidence and courage, you will easily fall prey to the temptations. I think people that don't have a whole lot of confidence, they, they fall to the uh, peer pressure. Yes. So when I was in high school, I'll say this. I've never had a sip of alcohol in my life. Um, and in high school, people try to get me to drink, try to peer pressure me. I 
was strong in that area. I'm not saying I was strong in some other areas that I wasn't. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but I was strong in and confident in the peer pressure. No one could push me to do something I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. So I didn't drink. They tried to. I got made fun of. It still did not shake me whatsoever. Other kids, yes, it did. And they may have been strong in areas that I wasn't strong in. But that area, I think confidence, I was confident and I, was, I had courage. And plus, yeah, not caring what people think and not falling into peer pressure can help a lot. Because I think a lot of these kids fall into, into temptation with watching the social media. Hey, I want to be like this person. They're happy. They're, you know, of course, they don't know the background of that person's. They're actually struggling, probably, yes, most yeah. likely. Um, they need an outlet. They're probably using social media as an outlet. Hey, look at me. I'm glamour and glitzy, and, you know, life is great. Not to mention the difference between what their actual life is and what they present on social media. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of lies out there. People live in lies. It's time to live for truth. Yes, indeed. Um, so, building character. Um, I think it does uh, help with if you have confidence and courage to not fall prey to that temptation. I, I totally agree. Um, I think we can go a little bit deeper and say that dignity is the essential component. Oh, and yeah. also what is lacking when we are um, failing. So for example, set your alarm five minutes earlier every day and don't hit the snooze button. What, what's significant about that? Well, if when you go to bed at night, you set your alarm for 5.55, and then you get up when at 5.55, you just kept your word to yourself. You now have the dignity of knowing I'm a man of my word. You hit the snooze button five times, you don't have that same sense of dignity. You know, I intended to do this, and I did not do that. Right. Yeah. Now, if if getting up when your alarm goes off is your challenge, then you need to find another place to begin to practice keeping your word to yourself, having self-control. Right. But if it's someplace that you can find victory. Then use that as your tool to grow a sense of personal dignity. I am a man of my word. I am a person of responsibility. I have control over myself. Right. Um, and I and that is translatable to the other areas of life where you're experiencing defeat. But if you focus in on this area where you're screwing up, then you begin to take on a sense of identity of I'm a screw up and then you lack confidence. Right. But if you know what and there's so many examples we could give yeah. of where you can find. So I, I had I used to have hanging in my office a, a picture of uh, red cloud the Indian chief and underneath it, it said to give a man dignity is beyond all things. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And that we, so for example, we get into in the, especially the more conservative circles of Christianity, we get into raging debates about a modesty. Yeah. And I think modesty has way more to do with dignity and self-worth than it does with what is covered and what is not covered. Now that doesn't mean I don't think we should cover up, areas of our body. We should, but not for reasons of shame, for reasons of dignity, for reasons of self-worth. I am way too valuable for you worthless person 
to see this treasure that God made in me. That is set aside for a man who will be have so much character as to be worthy of my committed love over the course of a lifetime. And he will get to enjoy this treasure, right? That's, That's about dignity and self-worth and respect, not about shame. But culture wants to tell us it's about shame. They have no clue they are being shameful while telling you, don't shame me. And it won't work. It's self-defeating. Well, the culture is uh, kind of people that wear less is is uh, what nice. Wear less is accepted. It's just getting to be more accepted, and it's very a huge war against people's character because people with good character fall prey to that. You know, it's it's hard. It's a heavy weight. I love Billy Graham. That what he did. I love to hear that. He pushed away temptation. So when he stayed at hotels, he would have his TVs removed. Right. And I love that. A man of good character. Now, that's a guy of character. I want to emulate right. that. You know, he was against those temptations. Not to say that he, um, you know, he's not perfect and all, but you know what? Hey, he was given, he had dignity. Yes. And he, it was important to him because he was a leader. And think about it. When you're on a, a high pedestal and a high um, a celebrity like that, because we know you can agree with me. There's a lot of celebrities that we have thought, wow, these guys are great. And they do something. I mean, it just takes five minutes. I love what Warren Buffett says. It takes 20 years to build character, but five minutes to tear it, tear it apart. Right. And it's gone. Yes. Um, so yeah, I love that word dignity. That is true. I really like that example too, because, um, Character is more about, I want to be careful with my comparisons. So when I say more, I'm not trying to be mathematically precise, but it's more about preparing to gather dignity than it is about being able to resist, right? So yeah, you want to kind of have, you want to have the kind of character that could have the TV in your hotel room by yourself and not be a problem. But the reality is you're a fallen individual. So wisdom will say, I, I used to I used to work for a business guy who his approach was, the first thing he did when he walked into a hotel room was he just unplugged the TV. And just that additional step of if he was going to watch it, he would need to plug it in was enough for him to be successful, right? So know yourself and do whatever is required for you to be a person of dignity. That's true. If you got to remove the TVs, have them removed. Yeah. Right? Now, I would... Or uh, I walked into the office of a pastor the other day, and we sat down to have a conversation. And I noticed that his office was surrounded with um, windows. The door had a, a glass, big, huge glass pane in it. There was never a time at any angle in his office that um, he couldn't be seen by an outside observer. And I went, oh, I this is a that. man of character and wisdom. That's really good. Right? He can close the door and have a private conversation, but he's never vulnerable to accusation. He's blameless because he can be observed at all times. I know that there's some people out there that are critical. No, he must have had a, uh, a falling out, and you know he doesn't want to do that again, so he's having all these glass. No, everybody can have their 
you know, perspective, a thwarted perspective on things, or they can look at, hey, this guy wants to prevent that stuff from happening, yes. you know, with dignity. Um, you hear in the, in the news about, you know, with all these celebrities um, with accusations of sexual harassment or any kind of harassment, and it's 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 all over the news or it's all over, you know, we've heard it so many times. There's one guy, um, Keanu Reeves. I like that he when he hugs ladies, he has he doesn't wrap his hands around them. He has his hands out. You know, he wants to be that blameless. He has dignity. He goes, yeah, you can take a picture of me, but I'm not gonna. You know, uh, he wants to prevent that, just like the guy with the glass doors or right. the glass right. walls or taking out your TV in the hotel. You know, he wants to. Have good dignity and good, a good positive, yeah. you know, character. I, I, I suppose you could choose to say it's sad that we live in a world where that is necessary. Yeah. Or we can say this is the world we live in. So how can we function well in it? This is how we battle against it. Yeah. Fine. If, when my kids were growing up, I used to say to them, "Hey, if it's not family, hug like an A, not like an I." <laughs> <laughs> Side by side. Well, or just you lean in, you don't. Oh, yes. You know. I see what you're saying. Yeah. No, I get it. Uh, I, either that or side by side. Yeah. You know. Side hugs. Hi, how you yeah. doing? Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Is there anything that you'd like to add about character? I mean, you, you, had, you said a lot, and I love what you had to say. Uh, there's so much, so much wisdom in uh, today's podcast, and I really appreciate you uh, sharing your expertise. Your wisdom is... I don't know about expertise, but plenty of experience. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, so anything else that you want to add? Not that occurs to me. I think that's... I, there's other... There's so many places we could continue to go, right? We may have to have but a I think, sequel. I think we, uh, we hit on some important things about character. Very much so. I think we may have yeah. to continue this later. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on Champ 180 Podcast and speaking on character. It's been a blessing and an honor to have you here. I wanted to just say that it's been a, my pleasure. Um, I so enjoyed thinking through the, the topic uh, in response to your invitation, and, and I feel really blessed to have had the opportunity to chat over it with you. It's been great. Thank you yeah. so much. Um, thank you. Listeners, thank you for tuning in and hope you are able to take something from this topic today. I did for sure. You know, character is not talked about very much, but uh, good examples are desperately needed nowadays in our society, entertainment industry, in our leaders, and mostly in the home, because mm -hmm. that's where it starts. Please add your comments and questions. I would love to hear from you. And remember, talk and think positive. God bless and champ on. Thank you so much for listening to the Champ 180 podcast. I really appreciate your time and tuning in. Again, this is Adam Childress, but I'd like to leave you with a few things to live by daily. That is be thankful, be kind, believe in yourself, never give up, help others, cherish family and friends, do your best, listen with your heart, laugh often, and love lots. Until next time. God bless.